What's it like to move from Europe to Mexico? For episode number six, I invited Aaron, founder of Bitcoin Partner Dotnl, to talk about his experience moving from the Netherlands to a beach town in Mexico. Aaron's perspective on life changed when he discovered Bitcoin only a few years ago. It wasn't until COVID lockdowns that he decided to move to a freer place on another continent. Aaron and I compared the fiat slave lifestyle in Europe to the sovereign individual lifestyle in Mexico. In this podcast, we interview Bitcoiners and expats in the Latin American region to talk about their stories and their projects. If you like this episode, please share it so others can enjoy the content too. Thank you for listening. Okay, well, thank you, Aaron, for joining me today on Bitcoin Expat Stories. So uh, I guess we met on Twitter. I uh, I was posting on, on Bitcoin in Mexico uh, that I'm in Mexico too, and and I think you shared with me a couple insights around the like uh, the the fiscal details uh, uh, of a of an expat in Mexico. So welcome to the show, Aaron. Thank you for joining me. How are you doing? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thank you for uh, for inviting me. And think uh, it's nice to do a podcast about uh, living in Mexico, Bitcoin, um, because I, I think when I uh, when I moved to Mexico, this is something I would love to uh, love to listen to, uh, because yeah, you want something um, to learn from other people and hear about the stories. So I think it's cool what you're doing, and uh, yeah, I believe you're right. We shared some info on Twitter. So yeah, let's uh, let's do the podcast, and I'm I'm excited to do this. Awesome, yeah. Well, uh, that's that's great. That's the goal of the podcast, you know, to be a, a resource uh, for people that are making the move, that have questions about it, and uh, I think you'll you'll provide uh, answers to the people listening that that will be good for them. So, uh, well, before we get started on on your the fact that you live in Mexico, coming from uh, Netherlands, uh, maybe just tell us a bit. Uh, about your story, about your background. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, yeah, the short story is I'm, my name is Aaron. Um, I'm a Dutch guy. Uh, I believe in freedom, uh, freedom for the individual. Um, yeah, so I'm, a, let's say, a freedom maximalist. Um, I'm a, I think I'm a Bitcoin maximalist. Uh, I'm also a, now an immigrant in Mexico. Um, I, uh, I'm involved in a few projects, uh, Bitcoin Partner, I'm writing some articles for Bitcoin Focus. It's, the, it's a Dutch newsletter from the guys behind the Dutch Bitcoin magazine. Um, I'm involved for uh, in Find a VA. That's um, it's like a marketplace for virtual assistants and online um, entrepreneurs, online freelancers. Um, and beside that, and I think most important of all, I'm, uh, the father of my daughter partner for, for my wife. Um, and my background is in logistics. Uh, I used to have uh, a logistic background. It was my fiat life and I, uh, I quitted it all. And yeah, I'm now living like a free life in Mexico and trying to uh, work on Bitcoin adoption and, uh, and, and a free, free world, so to say. 
That's awesome. Well, thank you for that. So, so if I understand correctly, you like you used to work in logistics, but now you're you're having more and more involvement in into the Bitcoin world, or at least uh, like the tech space. You you mentioned uh, Finda, uh, if if I recall correctly, the name. Uh, it's like a marketplace for virtual assistants, and you you work on on Bitcoin partners. Uh, is that your project, Bitcoin partners? Yeah. Yeah, so um, when I, yeah, maybe some background. When I moved to Mexico, I didn't have my field job anymore. And I thought, okay, I'm going to take a sabbatical. I'm going to uh, go to Mexico with my wife. And we're just going to see how things play out. Uh, if any opportunities arise, we're just going to jump in. But we just wanted to have uh, a, a period in our life that we could enjoy freedom, uh, that we didn't really feel that much in, in Europe anymore. And we, we did experience it in Mexico. And I wanted to land a Bitcoin job because I had this, like let's say vision that everything was online. Uh, you can work from everywhere in the world, uh, work on every product you want, uh, as long as you have the capabilities to do so. And then I found out that uh, we came into the Bitcoin bear market uh, and the only opportunities uh, that were uh, yeah, like in, yeah, still hiring people were crypto, Web3, all these, yeah, let's say scam uh, projects that they seem to have a lot of money to uh, to continue working in, in, in the bear market. That's not what I wanted to do. Uh, then I said, okay, I'm going to, uh, or I found out my, my wife was pregnant. So we said, okay, we're going to have to be productive again. Uh, we're going to have to uh, abort our sabbatical uh, and make sure that when our daughter is born, we have a few projects ready and up and running uh, so uh, yeah, we can do something productive for society. So that's when I uh, got the idea to find found Bitcoin Partner. And that's basically a website where I hope to uh, gather information, write articles uh, about Bitcoin. Um, to, to, to give people that are new to Bitcoin uh, one place where they can find everything they need from a reliable source. So I also gather uh, a partner network with high quality Bitcoin companies. Uh, so there's like, I don't know, Blockstream, uh, Coldcard, um, and many other uh, companies that I try myself and uh, I trust. Uh, so that new people, let's say pre-coiners or new coiners, an easy way to jump into Bitcoin without having to, yeah, like, weed through all the scams and the crypto nonsense. Um, and find a VA. That's basically uh, the project of my wife. She uh, recognized that a lot of people are working online, uh, and there's not really a good marketplace where people that are uh, working online can showcase their professional skills, and where clients can easily find them. So we build a website where virtual assistants and uh, online freelancers can create a profile, showcase their skills and clients that can easily find them and hire them. And I think the beauty about it is that uh, it doesn't really matter where you're located or who you are. It's all about your professional skills and how much value you can add to another person. And I think that fits perfectly into the Bitcoin vision where you can cooperate with somebody from Japan if you're located in Mexico or, you know, from the Netherlands to somebody in New York. Uh, it doesn't really matter as long as you are delivering high-quality uh, products or services. Yeah, that's basically... Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, yeah. it makes total sense. 
Yeah, and um, I also wanted to get more involved in the Bitcoin scene, so I started contributing to Consensus Network. I'm not sure if you're familiar with these guys. They translate uh, the, yeah, let's say the Bitcoin books from the languages that they've been written in into uh, the local languages. So it's like a starfish organization. There's not really like a leader or uh, management. Everybody's just doing their part of the project. And together you make sure that uh, the books are translated into your language. Oh, no, I, I had never heard of that. So you're participating in translation of uh, some Bitcoin content? Yeah, like um, The Price of Tomorrow from Jeff Boot. Uh, that's nice. now available. Well, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good book. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I believe that it's uh, important for people that are may, maybe a little bit too lazy to, to read English books or too intimidated uh, to read these kind of books in their own language. Uh, so you can find the Bitcoin standard in Dutch now, the fiat standard, the price of tomorrow, uh, the book from uh, Knut, 20, everything divided by 21 million. I think it's just important that uh, or to see that all the information that it's that is available about Bitcoin is also available in, in local languages. So the barrier for uh, for entry is is a lot lower for for people. Uh, yeah, that's extremely important. So I've yeah. been uh, I've been doing my part on that in, in French as well. But it's great that there's people like you doing their part on, on Dutch, uh, which is a very important thing for Bitcoin. Okay, so that's cool. You got a, a few projects. Uh, your wife's a virtual assistant marketplace. Yeah. Your Bitcoin partner and like an education and affiliate uh, website for Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, is is that is is everything on Bitcoin partner in Dutch? Or is it? Uh, yeah, the website's in Dutch. Yeah, but I I did translate the page to to English, uh, but I still need to translate all my articles and uh, and I'm just building. I mean, I started the project. What was it in September? Uh, I'm doing everything by myself, so uh, yeah, it takes a lot of time to uh, to build something, and I need to uh, put everything on the website and uh, yeah, with the other projects on the side, and I also want to you know enjoy my life. And uh, not only work 100% of my time on Bitcoin. Um, yeah. Uh, For sure. Yeah. That's great. All right. Well, while we're on the topic of uh, Bitcoin, maybe you could tell us about your like introduction story to Bitcoin. How to, how did you get into the rabbit hole? Yeah. Um, yeah. At the time, I was working as a as a sales guy in logistics. And I used to travel uh, a lot. So there was this one evening I was in Paris in a hotel. And, you know, I, like, like the years before that, I always had the feeling there's something wrong with, you know, the system. There's something that's just not right. Uh, I couldn't, you know, uh, find the exact pain point. But I had the feeling that something wasn't correct, right? And, I mean, sometimes you get a raise. Uh, you just don't have the feeling that your buying power is, is really increasing with the same amount. Um, and, uh, I, I was thinking about, okay, I need to, you know, you have the fiat mindset, right? You're like, oh, I need to be rich. I need to be rich. I need to find my way out of this, this red race. And I need to find some more time to spend on things that I enjoy instead of working, working, working. Uh, and then you start, you know, Googling stuff like, uh, how, how do I get rich? And, and I, I don't even know how I came, 
uh, onto Bitcoin, but somehow I landed on a Bitcoin site. And after reading a few of these articles, like, oh my God, that I didn't knew this before. I think it was 2018 that I bought Bitcoin, just like oh, I need to buy some, uh, just in case it catches on, right? <laughs> Uh, because I heard about it in 2013, and then it was like, yeah, we are all too late. Uh, it's a bubble, right. you know, the, yeah, the, the normal, uh, normal For sure. And I really had the feeling I was too late, and it, it was like uh, over. And, okay. and then it came back again and again and again. And every time I was like, ah, oh, I'm too late now. I'm too late now. And eventually, uh, you really started learning about what it is, and then you just cannot let it go. You get like sucked into it, um, and I think it's because uh, it's money. Uh, money touches every aspect uh, of, of human in society. Uh, everything that we do uh, is is driven by incentives, and everything uh, is touched by money, basically, because money allows us to uh, to uh, to create more time for ourselves and to spend it the way we really want to. And uh, that that's the moment that you're uh, going to the rabbit holes like like health, uh, food, uh, your job, your your career, uh, your family, your free time, um, software. Bas basically, basically all the things that, that a lot of Bitcoiners are interested in, uh, philosophy. Uh, it, it it just sucks you in. <laughs> um, and yeah, maybe I should pause there. Yeah, well, uh, for sure, it, it really does, right? It completely changes your life and, and your perspective of of basically anything, and and it does it like slowly but but surely, you know. And at some point, it just does it gradually, like just yeah. one uh, everything at once. So, and this was still when you were living in in Netherlands, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was when I was living in the Netherlands. Uh, so um, there was like 2018. I bought some Bitcoin, but really not that much just in case it catches on and you know just to see what it was i forgot about it and then in 2020 i read about it again okay, 2019 i read about it again and that was the moment that it really sparked my fire and i was like oh my god uh, i need to do something about it or with it i need to be really sure that i'm not making any mistakes or that i completely understand this correctly and yeah that's where you enter the rabbit because you, you, I don't think you can really understand Bitcoin. You can, you cannot really understand its implications, uh, the, the impact it has on, on your life, on everything around you. Um, and now it's 2023, and I live in Mexico. So, <laughs> it, uh, yeah. Well, it, well, tell us how. Tell us how that happened. How did you decide to to move to Mexico? Was it a a decision like you you decided Mexico, you or you look into many countries? Tell us about that story. Yeah, well, um, why Mexico? It was basically, um, I always wanted to live abroad. So I, w I wanted to experience uh, living in a different culture, learning a different language, uh, do something completely different than I've been doing my entire life. Um, but the problem is you're, you don't have any money to do that, right? Uh, you need either an online job or uh, you, you need to have like a shitload of money or you need something that enables you to do some, something like that. Um, and then COVID hit, um, in the beginning I was like, okay, so we are dealing with a serious pandemic and I think it was like uh, maybe two months in, I was like, yeah, something's not right. 
something is really not right. Right. <laughs> I really couldn't understand what. Uh, I was like, yeah, why would somebody I mean, lie about what's going on or exaggerate what's going on? And then, um, yeah, you got the vaccine stuff. And uh, I think the whole political climate in the Netherlands changed. The business environment changed in the Netherlands. Everything went online. Everybody started working online. And I was working at my kitchen table every day. I was like, yeah, okay, so is this is this life, right? Is this how I envision to be a human on this time, on this planet, sitting in behind my kitchen table? And I was living in a, in a big city in Rotterdam. And, yeah, I mean, we, we even had a curfew in the Netherlands. I don't know if you know about that, but uh, there was some I didn't point. know about that. Yeah, they, they didn't allow you to go outside in the evening like after eight o'clock you were just not allowed to go on the streets and then i was like okay uh, if, if something is really dangerous i can really decide for myself if i want to take the risk or not i don't need need to have a government to do that for me of course. Um, and yeah i was like okay so if the government thinks that they can make decisions about my life uh, this is not my government this is not the location where i want to spend the rest of my life um I mean, if they can do it now, what are they going to do in the future, right? Uh, you never know. So, For sure. uh, yeah, you start talking with your partner, like, okay, uh, is this the life we want to live? And I have to say, my, my wife was not really a fan of moving abroad. And uh, I can totally understand that, right? I mean, you have your life, you have your family, you have everything, your, your professional life, your network, everything is around basically the location where you live. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, what did it for her was also like the business environment uh, changed. Um, there's a really insecure business environment. If uh, if a government can shut down entire uh, sectors uh, with with regulations and you're working in that sector, uh, you get hit like economically, right? And she had an online platform in the in the restaurant business. So basically, her uh, business slowed down, uh, no income anymore, uh, she couldn't work. And that was for her also a moment, it was like, okay, if we have to live abroad and we want to do your dream, right, uh, why not now? Uh, so yeah, there came a point where we both said, okay, uh, this is our line in the sand. Uh, let's say society crossed the line. And we made the decision, okay, we're going to move to a place where we don't have to vote our way out. Uh, we're just going to change locations to a place where we can feel uh, at home and feel that we are in charge of our own decisions. And then you start comparing countries, right? I mean, uh, where where was the freedom? There was not that much freedom going on in the world anymore. Um, no, there wasn't. <laughs> no, and then, I mean, Latin America, Central America... Uh, basically came on top. I mean, the entire Europe uh, was, it, it, I mean, it, it's, it, maybe it's exaggerated, but it started to feel like a prison, right? I mean, uh, you couldn't go to Italy without people saying that you were not allowed to travel that far and stuff like that. Like, yeah, that's okay, but, yeah that's, that's not anybody's decision to make. That's my decision to make. And if I want to take the risk and I make the wrong calculation, Okay, I'm gonna die, or you know that that's my decision, uh, not society's decision. And you, yeah, I mean, online you see all the stories about Central America and the people there just living on the streets, and 
Mexico was one of the countries that stood out. Um, I think it's because uh, a lot of places were still open in Mexico. Um, there's like an open culture, more freedom culture, um, at least from what I could sense on the internet. There's an affordable cost of living, so the, the money that we had could last us like longer uh, than in Europe, because Europe's pretty expensive. Um, I also had the feeling, okay, inflation is going to get worse uh, in the coming years, so uh, we, we're going to have to yeah, make financially smart decisions. Um, I mean, you, you also need to be sure that you can live in a country, so you need to have uh, the opportunity to get residency. That's not that difficult in Mexico for, for people from Europe, at least. Um, I think there's a, there's a better food security in Mexico. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, tax benefits. Uh, tax benefits in Mexico compared to Europe are, to be honest, crazy. Um, if you consider that in Europe, I, I mean, at least in the Netherlands, for some people, they live se uh, seven months in the year. They work for the government. Seven months of their 12 a month salary goes straight to taxes and that's crazy it's that's crazy. Really crazy you know yeah. and yeah. and and just to 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 give my insight here well uh, my story and the first episode matchex and the third episode tristan's and even the the second and even the the uh, the fifth that i just released last week it was all around the same time it was all the same story because we we also had curfew in quebec uh, for from 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. for months, uh, you know we also work seven months a year for the government. It's it's basically the same story, right? And at some point you're just like, is this worth it? And I just think the answer is is, is no. It's it's not worth it. No, 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 it's, no, no, really no. And especially, I mean, if you if you are like a customer in your country and you pay that much in taxes and you get like things in return for that. I mean, and I'm, I'm not like pointing out that there's good roads in the Netherlands. I mean, I mean that's not what, what I think that taxes are for. Um, you know, you start thinking about if, uh, if for example, 5% inflation uh, over 14 years, that means that your buying power halves. So think about if you can live in a different country in the world where you don't have to pay that much in taxes, how much that's going to, save you in money uh, over like 10 years or 15 years. It's a tremendous it's, amounts of money. And, and just, of money. Yeah. and even if you, and you, and on top of that, the cost of living is lower. So like yeah. you're saving money on that and you're saving money on taxes. Exactly, it's, yeah. And you're, you're, you're just saving. It's not just about money. You know, it's, it's about mental health too. Like I, like I imagine you just feel better living here than you did at that point in the Netherlands, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, imagine uh, when I used to work at my kitchen table every day. Uh, I had sun on my balcony from from like in the morning when it rose to eleven in the morning, and you know, <laughs> it's cold in the Netherlands. Uh, it rains a lot in the Netherlands, and here, um, I mean, my 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 hamaka is is in, in my front door. Uh, I put open my laptop and. <laughs> I drink my coffee. I, I watch the sea. Um, I see palm trees everywhere. Yeah, I mean it's nature. Uh, I live in nature basically. Uh, and in the Netherlands, I lived in the city, yeah. so I only saw concrete uh, and pigeons maybe. But uh, when I open the door in Mexico, I see. I have the feeling I'm I'm in in the world, right? In nature. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. It, yeah. It's hard not to be happy in that context. Yeah. And I mean, if, if I went to like the supermarket in the Netherlands, people walk on the street, looking to the floor, uh, nobody smiles. Um, and uh, when I'm driving to the supermarket in Mexico, I see everybody's like smiling, waving, people are happy. And I think it's because like um, people are individually more happy. Uh, it's not about the money, I guess, uh, but I, because I don't think that people have like a luxury life, uh, but I think they own their time more. Um, and uh, I mean, they, they can spend more time with, with friends and family and the way they want it uh, than the people in the Netherlands, I guess. And I mean, people in the Netherlands, they get, get home from work, they, they eat something and then they sit behind TV all evening watching Netflix. I mean, it's not really making you smart. Uh, it's not making you happy. Uh, it's not, you know, anything productive. It's not that you're adding something to society. Um, and I, you know, people here live on the streets. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that makes you more more happy, more, uh, yeah. It, it's different. Yeah. It's completely different than people in Europe, yeah, for sure. So, so different. Interesting. So, uh, well, my follow-up question would be, what was the, like, I, was this a perspective shared by your life partner? Uh, was she, uh, or did she have other points of view, other things that she considered before moving to Mexico? Like, I'm just trying to understand her point of view compared to yours, because I'm sure many listeners will make the move with, with their wives and there will be a different perspective. Yeah, no, absolutely. She, she had a totally different view on life uh, than me when we first met. I mean, uh, when I moved in with her, uh, she, was, uh, she was watching the news every morning, um, you know, stuff like that. And um, I think we, during our relation, we watched TV less and less and less. Uh, now we don't watch any TV at all anymore. Um, I mean, talking to each other is, is so much more important than, than like mindlessly watching Netflix uh, series. Um, but, but she had a, like a different view in life. Uh, she was on a different place as well. She was really ambitious. Um, she had her own platform. She, she had high positions in, in, the, in the industry where she was working. Um, she, could, she was asked just before we left to, to fill in like really big positions for two different companies. So she was on the edge like, okay, am I going to choose for my career? Or am I going to choose for like the vision that my partner has and enjoy the life that he thinks that we can live? Because she wasn't that sure, right? Um, and, and I mean, it's difficult, right? I mean, you have to change your complete perspective about the world. Uh, I already had done that a few years before the COVID, uh, like let's say the pandemic and everything happened. Uh, and she basically fell right into it when everything stopped, like life went to a halt. So what I have to say, she adapted. Uh, she was open to, you know, new uh, ideas, new, uh, new, yeah, new, she, she, she was open to talk about uh, new opportunities that we could, we could uh, fulfill. And I, I mean, she really did it great. And uh, we, are, we also think that it's not like for a female, uh, it's not like her life purpose to be an ambitious career woman. We now believe both uh, that it's so much more important for uh, a female to be
be able to produce a life like she has done. She she yeah she um, she got pregnant. She got my baby, um, and I'm so incredibly proud that you know I have somebody in my life that can give me a present like a baby, and yeah, that, that's a completely different life uh, and a, a different role in the family than uh, be a career. And I mean, she still wants to work. She still wants to be a productive, like member of society. But um, she also understands that it's so much more uh, fulfilling to be a mom and to be like the center of her family. And yeah, not a lot of people in the Netherlands are open to that idea because there's there's like this this feministic uh, mindset, and females have to be the same as as men and. You know, they have to do the same career things and the same opportunities. And I mean, I, I don't I don't think that they cannot do it, but I don't think it's their life purpose. Um, and yeah, she, she did great. I mean, uh, I, I'm really proud of her in that, in that sense, yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's great. By the way, congratulations on that, on, on the fact of, that you're a father and, and, you're, and you have a family. Um, yeah, well, I, I I tend to agree with you on that. Uh, I feel like uh, like society has gone to to the other extreme, where it used to be that you know women were forced to have a, to just have the the mother role, and then they, they wanted freedom, which was which is obviously correct and makes sense. But then it has gone to the other extreme, where where it's actually the like no, you gotta do the work, you gotta do the the career yeah. path, uh, else uh, you're not fulfilling yourself. And for many people, like it's just it's it's not true. It's not fulfilling to work like at a big corporate job where you no. have you provide basically little value, and you yeah. just waste your time and years in that, you know. So, so yeah, I I, I tend to agree with you on that. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but let's say about a so. But were there considerations regarding like security or just like uh, is Mexico a good place uh, for? For to raise a family, less from the like uh, lifestyle and like tax perspective. Yeah, well, um, yeah, for sure. Um, I think we really wanted to live in a female-friendly country. Uh, there's a lot of countries in the world where that are not that female-friendly, or you know, when I would not be comfortable to let my wife walk out in the street when it's dark, um, and maybe. maybe even in Mexico, there are places where you really shouldn't do that and where it's really not smart to do that. Uh, so we really uh, didn't really focus on the country, but on like the location, uh, which locations are safe and which locations do we feel uh, that it's, right. it's safe to go outside and it's safe to, for her to have her own life uh, without like having a bodyguard or, you know, uh, because that, yeah. that's also not a free life, right? I mean, uh, she has to be able to enjoy a free life. Um, and I think basically uh, the place where we live now is, is a very safe place. The people are really friendly. And I mean, um, is there really any place in the world where you, where it's like in the utopia where uh, you, you're like completely 100% safe and 100% sure that nothing will ever happen to you? And that, I don't think that there's a place in the world hmm. where that exists, right? Um, For sure. So you have to like balance, like what are what are the things that we we think are important, um, and then you just like like prioritize. Okay, what do we think is important? And Mexico is ranking pretty good. Uh, I mean, in the West, people think that Mexico is like this extremely dangerous drug country, and people are all poor and all thieves and stealing and scammers, and 
And I mean, if you travel, you learn that that's just complete bullshit. Um, also, the people that, you know, in the Netherlands, it's amazing, basically the older people. They, when you say, oh, I'm going to Mexico, they're like, oh, yeah. are you going to Mexico? Oh, you <laughs> wow. Oh, that's really dangerous. And then you're like, oh, wow. Did, I mean, did you experience that? Have you been there? Oh, no. no, no. I would never go. So, I mean, and yeah. that's all like the, the things they read in the newspapers and in the stories on the news and it's not an experience, right? And I think you have to experience life and uh, both me and my wife did that. We, we traveled a lot. We went to like Asia, Latin America, uh, all over Europe. And uh, I have to say there were places in Europe where I felt extremely more unsafe to live outside or walk outside in the streets after dark than in Mexico. Um, and uh, yeah. I mean, what are other perspectives so. like uh, education? Uh, you mean like if you have the the idea that there's a possibility that you can have a family? Um, the education system in the Netherlands, I'm, I'm not a fan of that. Uh, I think it's like a, yeah, it's it's an old system and it's not uh, designed for the new age. And I believe that we are entering a new age, a digital age, where things are completely different than when the education system was was like. Um, uh, f- formed and for, for example if you live in the Netherlands your kid has to go to school and uh, you're not allowed to uh, travel within school periods and uh, there's a teacher that's like the authority in the class and teaches you your kid how life works and I mean your kid's not really allowed to have his own opinion uh, you're considered smart when you're able to remember stuff and repeat and I don't think that's the education that I would want to have for my daughter. I, you know, I have, I have many years to think about it, and I think education is going to change, but we have access to the Internet, and the Internet is changing everything. Uh, when you look back to when, I don't know if you know the story about, like, the Protestant Reformation in, in Europe. Yeah, a, a little bit, but not, not too much. Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, I'm not an expert on that, but it's basically like uh, the church in Europe had a lot of influence uh, back in the days. Uh, so the church was like the state. Uh, they were the boss. They decided how things were, were rolling, basically. And I, I think it, it one of the things that, that played a role was that people couldn't read, right? So if somebody from the church told you, hey, you're not allowed to do this because, hey, you know, God is telling you this or that, and this is in the Bible, and you're not allowed to do this because it's in the Bible, uh, I mean, you believe it, right? You want to be a good person. Um, and I, I think you can draw a lot of uh, similarities to how people are watching the news these days. Um, the news is like telling you what's going on in the world, what's dangerous. I mean, eh, Mexico's dangerous. <laughs> um, and th- then back in the days, they uh, they invented like the printing press. And that allowed people to, to learn to read. Uh, books were suddenly available for a lot of people. And they found out, okay, we have a lot of information uh, to our disposal. And, I mean, the people are lying to us, right? Uh, the church is lying. Uh, so people in Europe, uh, like, abandoned the church. Uh, they, they, there was a Protestant Reformation. And people started to, to live their own life, basically, and um, decide what they thought was, was, like, how they had to live their lives. And then the role of the state came in. The government took over basically and was, uh, yeah, that, that led to where we are now. And I think the internet is playing the same role as the printing press. And 
because the internet, because of the internet, we can share information instantly globally. Uh, so if we have information in Mexico, we can send it within a second to people in the Netherlands. And I think that a lot of people are waking up to the fact that not everything that's on the news is correct. Not everything is, is, is you know, an honest story. Uh, I mean, it's, I'm not saying they're all lies, right? But uh, it's not, it's not the, the truth either. Um, right. So on the internet, you can at least verify what you've been told and verify if information is correct and, and do a little bit of more of your own research. And I, I, yeah, eventually the internet led also to Bitcoin and I think it's going to unravel a lot of um, opportunities for, for society that we have no idea what, what we are up to right now. For sure, for sure. Well, I really like your metaphor comparing, uh, well, the past of uh, the Netherlands and Europe in general, where, where the church used to control society and then like the print press created like a liberation of knowledge and, and how the internet is doing the same thing today. And yeah, I agree. I tend to see the, 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 have the same perspective and, and to notice the same change. But you know, it's a, I think the, the internet has, it's, it's, it's a double edged sword in a way where like, yes, it liberates some people, but it, it pushes some other people further into, into control and, and like a slavery mentality, you know? So it's, yeah. it's, it's a bit tricky there. Yeah. No. And, um, that's completely true. Um, and that's why I really liked like the Bitcoin movement, uh, because what I learned from Bitcoin is that open source software can be verified. I mean, I'm not a coder or anything, so I, you know, I, I really cannot do it myself. Uh, but, um, at least there's more uh, social proof that things work and things can be trusted. And I mean, Microsoft, uh, you know, if you have a Linux computer, I trust that more now than a closed source Microsoft, uh, operating system. And, you know, I have things like, uh, start nine, uh, with the embassy. I don't know if you know about these guys. So they basically yeah, have, yeah, yeah they're, they're personal servers. So, uh, you run an operating system, uh, the embassy OS, you run it on your own raspberry Pi. And you can uh, run open source software on it that you can basically verify or the community can verify. And uh, I think that's, that's the other side of the double-edged sword, uh, that it also liberates people. So people can be controlled because of the internet and, you know, be, yeah, be, be told what to do. And uh, the other side is that people can liberate themselves by using the right tools. So if you can use tools that will liberate you, uh, in the, in the right way, you have yeah, a big difference, uh, compared to the people that are just mindlessly living their lives, just watching the news. And I mean, you can now, uh, have an, I mean, like a simple example, you can run your Bitcoin node on a Raspberry Pi. You can run your uh, password manager on your, uh, Raspberry Pi and it's all self-hosted. So nobody even knows that you're running it. And yeah, that, that, that's some, uh, something of the the internet software the microchip uh, that that enables a different kind of future than like the the tech monopoly future that that we thought we were uh, going to have for sure yeah that's that's really good I, I i agree with that well just just i'm just going to go back to something you said previously so i've noticed that in europe the perspective on mexico is very different from like in Canada and the United States. So like at least Canadians and Americans go often to Mexico. So they see that, you know, it's not all danger. Of course wow. they, they don't fully understand it, 
like they they think it's it's but uh, it's worse than it is. But in Europe, many people I've talked from Europe, uh, they all say like, no, Mexico's extremely dangerous. Like yeah. I'm gonna get killed if I go there, you know. Yeah. And then they come here and they're like, no, it's it's actually not true. Yeah. I've been lied uh, to my whole life. Yeah, no, it really. And, but, oh, but it surprises me that people from the U.S. and Canada have a different view. Um, but, but you know, if if you talk about Mexico to people in in the Netherlands, uh, I mean, young people that travel, they know. Right? I mean, they they've been to places, they they experienced it, and you have to be like street smart. Yeah, you, you shouldn't be like involved in in you know shady with shady people and maybe maybe in drug activities. I mean, of course. It, that's maybe a place where you shouldn't be, and then maybe life can be dangerous in Mexico, right? Uh, but to give you an example, uh, I think a few months ago, there was this, like, gang violence somewhere, a few states up north. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, you, you know about it. And I think it's, like, maybe even a day uh, driving in the car, right? I mean, uh, it's completely on the other side of Mexico from where I live. And because it was everywhere on the news in, in the Netherlands, people were texting me like, are you safe? Are you, yeah. are you okay? <laughs> What's going on over there in Mexico? I'm like, come on, guys. I'm not going to text you if somebody gets robbed in southern Italy, right? I mean, or in, in Ukraine, you know, like it's, it's basically Ukraine. as far, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and, and that, that's the moment that people realize, oh, yeah, okay, it was maybe a strange approach. But in their in their mind, it's like Mexico is dangerous, and um, yeah. So some people also told me it's like um, you don't want to be a high tax uh, state, telling people that they can live in basically a country where the weather is great, the people are nice, uh, they have beautiful beaches, blue seas, uh, that everything is fine over there. Uh, there right. must be some kind of element to. You know, scare people, but you can better live in the Netherlands, pay high taxes, because we take care of you, right? Exactly. Well, I, I don't think it's, like, an intended, uh, like, message, but I think it's just part of the whole narrative, you know? The, yeah, the yeah. first world narrative that, like, if you live in the first world, you're safe, like, it's worth it, you know? Yeah. So, like, be, because if you live in Mexico, it's it's full of violence and crime and, and problems and wars, you know, and the, like the rest of the world is, is, is bad and we're the good guys, you know, it's always yeah. the, the same message for the first world. Like we're the good guys yeah. uh, and we're the good countries and the rest of the world isn't. And I think it's just a, it's, it's a narrative. It's like a geopolitical, like second world war narrative, you know, like we won the second world war. So that the narrative was built to basically yeah. like guide the, the, the next era, you know, but, but it's starting to, there's just there's just too many cracks at this point on that narrative, and people are just starting to see that that it's quite false. Yeah, and I, I think that's because of the internet. I mean, I would have never uh, considered like moving to the other side of the world uh, when I didn't have any access to the to the internet. I didn't have any access to people living here, uh, people telling me how it was like. Uh, I mean, people can listen to this podcast; uh, they can make up their own. Uh, reality, right? I mean, they can experience it, they can take a plane, uh, go on a holiday, see what it's like. And it, it, it wasn't always like that. Um, and now people have this opportunity and if you take it and you experience it, I think uh, you must be crazy to live in a country where you are taxed seven months of the year where you can pay 3% income tax over money that you earn abroad in a global digital uh, 
business environment where we have a completely borderless money, where we don't even need any government. Why would you stay in a place like that? And and then, you know, you're going to end up like, okay, why wouldn't you? And then, you know, <laughs> like the negatives of Mexico can uh, kick in. Like, why wouldn't you want to live in Mexico? Right. Um, and, and I mean, there, there's a lot of uh, reasons to think of why you wouldn't want to live in Mexico. Because um, it's far away from friends and family. Um, especially uh, for my wife, that was really, uh, really difficult. Uh, you don't... Um, you have the feeling that you're not part of your social circle anymore. And that can be really, that can feel really lonely. Um, and you have to outweigh the benefits uh, with the negatives to see if it's really worth it for you. Um, and you know that there's also like like little things, like there's a lot of mosquitoes here, right? <laughs> so uh, you have to close the windows, uh, you know, have the, uh, the mosquito screens. Uh, you, you cannot just open the doors just, you know, in the evening. Uh, because you're going to get bitten like like crazy. Um, what are other negatives of Mexico? Um, you know, uh, there's not really reliable internet here. Um, that, that's, if you want to work online, uh, you really need to plan the task you're doing because you're not sure that you're going to have internet for a full day. Uh, electricity is not really reliable. Uh, we live in a hurricane area, uh, so like in raining season, there, there could be hurricanes. So last year we had that, and we had no electricity for, I believe, two, two days, uh, no internet for two days. And, you know, it's such an experience wow. you, yeah. because you have, no, um, you have no fan, you have no air conditioning, you have no fridge. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I like to have, like, some food in, in the house, so I put some meat in my freezer. Uh, but, yeah, what are you going to do when the freezer runs out of electricity? Right, uh, and all these things that really uh, make you realize the luxury that people have in the in the Netherlands. Uh, people in the Netherlands cannot imagine how it's like to to not have electricity, uh, to to not have internet. That, that's that's really strange for them. Yeah, for sure. Well, I but I just want to specify that, like it's this specific region you live in, Mexico, that. It's like that because I, I live in Queretaro in, in the center of Mexico and like it's a it's a very dry climate so like most of the time there's just no mosquitoes at all. It's it's oh, kind really? of a desert. Yeah. And and internet and electricity here it's great. Like it's it's as good as in Canada. Yeah. Uh, but but like not for everyone, of course. That's the, the, the difference I think is it's just not for everyone. Like in my neighborhood it's very good, but then the neighborhood next door They, 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 they seem to run out of electricity and, and stuff because it's it's an unequal country in the in the end, right? But I, yeah. but I think you're, the, what you were saying, uh, we should specify that it's about like beach town, be, like beach beach regions, yeah, uh, which have a humid climate and also like less infrastructure, and it's also like part of the the southern Mexico too, uh, yeah. not like because northern northern Mexico is, is more developed and has like better infrastructure than the south. Yeah, no, exactly. I live in the southern southern part of Mexico, and uh, yeah, it, it's it, that's also one of the things. Like Mexico has many different climates, many different regions, provinces, or states, um, and you you really have to make up your own mind. Where do I want to live? I, I believe you can even ski and snowboard in Mexico. You can live on the beach. You can live in the mountains. You can live live near a lake. Uh, there's so many things where you can yeah build your life. Um, 
And yeah, we, we now live near the sea, uh, but I, I mean, who knows? Maybe we're gonna check out uh, Kiritaro when uh, when my wife is uh, done with all the mosquitoes here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. then you have to trade it for like no beaches. Exactly, it's, it's always a trade-off, right? Yeah. Well, you're you're always welcome whenever you wanna wanna visit. Uh, but like, let's. Uh, what did you? My my next question would be like before you chose the the spot you're living, and then you travel to the country, try different places, or at least research different places. Like, what made you choose the, that town, that place precisely? Uh, one of the reasons was that what I understood, uh, like from Telegram groups and people on Twitter and, and like blogs and stuff. I did some research. I did, I, we didn't just get in a plane and just you know, move to the other side of the world. We, were, we also went on a holiday here right. to see if it, this is really feels like a place. Um, I think it's because like there's 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 food security here. Um, I, I, I can just go into the village here and shake a rancher's hand and just buy my meat directly from the rancher. Um, I can go to like somebody who has a mango, uh, how do you call it? Like, farm uh, and just buy my mangoes uh, there's like food everywhere in the state um, uh, what was your question again I lost my chain of thought uh, well my question was uh, why did you choose the the place you're living in precisely the the city yeah. you're at uh, yeah. Um, yeah what I understood like was that um, because I saw how many influence the government has on your life in the Netherlands um, and how it's enforced, I wanted to live in a place where uh, there's less control. Uh, so I could move to Mexico City, uh, but I think in Mexico City there's a lot more control uh, from the government on people's lives than in a little bit. For time. sure. Um, so what I understood is that you have like a federal government in Mexico and uh, then you have a state government, but then you also have like the municipalities. And yeah, that's yeah. just, they make local decisions that are good for their local people. And um, that, that, that was something for me that was like, okay, maybe if we live in a place like that, there's less chance that something is happening that affects our life because of a decision that we don't agree with. Um, because yeah, you can try to vote your way out of things and like, you know, keep voting. But I believe that if you want to have a life that um, is most compatible with the way you envision to live your life, then you can just choose the place in the world where uh, the values of the people that are living locally align with how you see the world. And I think that's pretty much here um, the, 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 the deal. Uh, people are just, uh, I mean, if you, if you want to close your business, you can close your business. Uh, if you don't, you don't. And that, that's, I think, more a personal decision here than, for example, in Mexico City or in the Netherlands. Uh, if you don't close your business in the Netherlands, you get, like, crazy fines if the government says so. And I don't think that's really, really a thing here. Um, I mean, that's my perspective, right? I mean, I can be totally wrong. Uh, but it, at least it's it's an improvement compared to where, where I lived. Yeah, well, actually, I, I agree with you, uh, and I think it's, it's accurate that, uh, like, Mexico is a very uh, localism in Mexico is very strong. Even I would say even stronger than the United States, which, like, is very proud about that. Like Mexico, like there were some times where like lockdowns 
were introduced at the state level in Mexico, and a lot of municipalities just did not apply. They just could, they, they, they have the power to just refuse state law. Uh, yeah. And w yeah, usually small towns, beach towns are the freest you can be in this country. Uh, because yeah, if you go to Mexico City or even where in Querétaro, uh, like yeah, the government's pretty strong, you know, uh, which has some advantages in terms of like business and and like uh, creating a, like like a strong economy for this country. But it, yeah. the downside is yeah, sure, um, there will be more rules in, in in a big city than in a small beach town. Which, however, you can always get around the rules basically anywhere in the country because there's always ways. Uh, but in general, beach towns are, are the freest you can be in this country or just towns in general, because some rural towns are very free to, doesn't have to be beach. But yeah, I, I totally get your point. That's completely valid. Yeah, but uh, exactly what you say is it's good that you pointed out that there, there's always ways in Mexico to get your things done. Um, that, that's something <laughs> I, I joke about it here. As long as you have your CFE bill, it's like your electricity bill, you can get everything done. Um, right. And, and that, that, I think it has is like its charm, right? Um, people are, yeah, not really that much into the rules. There are rules, uh, but they are not that strict. Um, for example, in the Netherlands, there's no way you can get a driver's license uh, without taking the exams. And in Mexico, you you can find some ways to to to, to do these things, right? Uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, and and. Uh, another thing, if you really don't like how your municipality is dealing with the rules and regulations, there's so many different places in Mexico where you can just relocate and just, you know, to try a new life, to build a new life. And, yeah, uh, I think the world is, is digital now. Um, you can travel as much as you want and work online. So you can travel to the Netherlands whenever you want and work online, generate income. And... Also, if the people from the Netherlands, your, like your, your social uh, environment, want to visit you, you have a lot of time to, to, to hang out with them. They are in like a holiday vibe. So let's say the, the quantity of the time you spend with your friends and family is lower, but the quality is much higher. Right, right. I, I totally agree with that. That's that's good. Uh, yeah, well, you know, the, the localism thing that you mentioned is that you can just move anywhere in Mexico. Compared to like in Canada, it's honestly just laws apply across the country in a yeah. very similar fashion. And I'm sure in Netherlands it's the same thing. It's like exactly same, you can yeah. move around, but like it will catch up with you. And uh, you can you can run, but you cannot hide. You know, <laughs> in a way. Yeah. No, you're totally right. So uh, yeah, and then it's it's you know it's up to you. You want to vote your way out, or you want to take responsibility over your life, and just have a very critical look on the aspects of your life that you think are important and start taking responsibility and uh, the right actions to like force your life into that direction. And that's completely possible in Mexico. As per my experience so far. I mean, I, exactly can be totally wrong, right? I, mean, uh, I live here now a year. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm like completely wrong. And I also tell my wife like, if we made the wrong decision and we, you know, we did something stupid, we just take the plane back home. And worst, worst case scenario, we're gonna live with my mom in the attic again, and you know, try something new. Yeah. But it's, so there's far, really little downside. Yeah, there's really little downside. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and my wife sometimes says, "Yeah, well, 
in the Netherlands, you have like multicultural food, and we have food from like Turkish people and Indian food and Suriname food, Indonesian food, and you don't have that much uh, multicultural foods in, in Mexico. I think the Mexico food culture is pretty dominant. Uh, but on the other hand, that's also a double-edged sword because the Mexican food is really good as well. <laughs> yeah, for, well, definitely Mexican food is very good. So if you could resume uh, like the, the downsides, uh, I heard mosquitoes, heard bad internet and electricity processing your region. Um, and then now I hear like lack of international food. Uh, is there anything else that, because this is a question that I just get a lot, you know, and, and far from friends and family. Yeah. Uh, is there anything that you would add to that list? Uh, well, yeah, well, I think those basically sum it up. Um, and one of the things that can be for European people really frustrating um, is that everything is manana. Uh, so, you know, if you make an appointment with like the plumber or the electrician or, you know, somebody that needs to come to your house in any way, it's like, yeah, we come manana or, you know, like on Tuesday, four o'clock, and they just don't show. Right. Um, and th that's really something that Europeans need to prepare for, because in Europe, if you make an appointment, or at least in the Netherlands, you make an appointment, you are there. Uh, and if you're not there, right. you really have to call or inform the people that you're not coming. Mexicans just don't do that. They just don't show up. <laughs> I've seen that. Yeah, and, and you know, um, if you can... Uh, How do you say that uh, in English? Like, if you mentally prepare that this is the way of life, then it's not a problem. But if you're like really strict and really waiting for these people, then it can be frustrating. Yeah. For sure. Well, honestly, I would say on that that I think it also applies more to the beach lifestyle because in the beach, people are so relaxed. They're yeah. like, eh, like I'm, I don't have to work today. You know, I'm like, weather's good, food's around, food's cheap. You know. Because in the in the big city, I think it's it's a bit more uh, people are more hardworking and more like they will make the the meetings they set up to. But in general, Mexican culture, people are late. People skip scheduled meetings. Yeah, that that happens. It's yeah. it's, it's part you gotta accept that. It's true. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, if that's the downside, then the upside is that life is really relaxed. The people are really relaxed. And exactly. I think that's more valuable than. Okay, the appointment didn't show up. Well, okay, well, I mean, don't worry about exactly. it. Exactly. Life's good. Exactly, uh, and you know, it's I, I agree. That's the 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 ups, like every bit of downside has its upside. You know, it's like okay, less reliable electricity and internet. Well, it just it also means we have more nature and we're just less yeah. urbanized and less industrialized. So, like, it's it's just more nature. You know. Well, people skip the scheduled meetings or are late sometimes. Well, it just means that people are more relaxed and in general less stressed. In Europe, in Canada, people are stressed the whole thing, you know, like the whole time. Yeah. And, and, and so it just, I think every, and like, you know, far from friends and family, it's just an inevitable, it's, it's just, it comes with it, you know. Yeah. Uh, in Canada, like moving anywhere has that. Interesting, yeah. interesting. So, yeah. uh, That's good. Uh, that's good. Overall, I think you're satisfied with your with your decision, um, as as I am too. Yeah. And uh, what is there? Okay, so my next question would be, what would make you make you come back uh, to to the Netherlands? What would make you 
or like admit or think, get to a point where you think like, oh, actually, this was a mistake. Uh, are there anything you've thought that that could get you to that point? Um, I think if there's a serious security problem for my family, um, that's not worth it for me to, to be in, uh, in Mexico. Uh, if there's a problem like uh, with family or friends back in the Netherlands that are really, you know, would be able to 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 be there for for like friends and family or solve their problems to physically be there, I would go back. Um, and right. also, yeah, because my wife uh, was uh, it was not her decision to to join me. Uh, eventually, she agreed, and you know, she was like, okay, let's let's do this. Uh, so we we. We really made the decision together, uh, but it was basically my my uh, my decision or, or my idea. We also said, okay, if my wife really doesn't feel comfortable anymore, really wants to go back, we go back. Um, my relationship is more important than the location where I live. I understand. That makes total sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, so that's that 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 makes sense. It's uh, but it's nothing like uh, like you can endure the downsides you've mentioned, like. Oh, yeah. If they're endurable, they're they're okay because yeah. the upsides are worth the downside. The upsides are so much more worth it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, um, I mean, uh, basically, our plan is that if we have our businesses up and running, and uh, we can really like generate stable income without you know having to work that much uh, every day, then we want to like, like three months in a year living in Mac or in. Uh, the Netherlands, so we can just spend like summer in the Netherlands with friends and family. Uh, we think we also think it's important that our daughter uh, gets familiar with like our gra grandma and grandpas and, um, and with our friends. And uh, then the rest of the the year we can spend in Mexico. And then you basically don't have that much of the downside anymore because you can avoid a little bit of the rain season here that we have here locally at least. Uh, right. Yeah, like the the advantages uh, of the Netherlands, like the the multicultural food that my wife likes. Yeah, uh, sure. Less mosquitoes in the rain season, so you, you're gonna like shift and have best of both worlds. Then, yeah. Exactly, because not because you move here that you cannot go back and you cannot have like a hybrid lifestyle where you you can be at both places depending on on the time of the year or even like a at a third place, you know, a third location. Yeah. Uh, just like the, the, and have multiple p passports or residencies, the, the flag theory, right? Yeah. Uh, that, that some people are into. Yeah, I think, it, it, yeah, the, the flag theory is really important. Um, I'm not sure, if, like, your listeners are really familiar with it, but it's basically that you have, like, your, you have your passports of the country where you were born, uh, that's your passport, then you have, like, your residency that's the place where you live and also your tax residency um, and or at, at least that's that's uh, the way we are doing it now and uh, we are optimizing our tax strategy uh, and we have more places in the world where we can be and uh, the advantage of having a daughter in Mexico is also really uh, a big benefit because our daughter is now a Mexican she's Dutch and yeah, she's big advantage so you know for for the future of my daughter, um, she has a lot more opportunities and like visa-free travel the, for countries that, I mean, the Netherlands perhaps doesn't have that 
or, or easier for Mexican people or, or vice versa. Um, yeah, so that there are a lot of benefits to, to optimizing your life about being a customer of a country. Certainly. Interesting. So, okay, so one uh, question that I want to follow up on was, uh, just, just a second, let me check my notes. Yeah, it was uh, when we first got into contact, you mentioned a program, a tax program in Mexico for like foreign income, and you've also mentioned it during this discussion. So can you share like what the name of the program, the details, uh, what like how, how, how you got, how you found about that and like how to, to be a part of that? Because like I'm, I'm not a part of that yet. And I know some, I'm, I'm curious to hear the details personally, and, and I know a lot of people want to hear more about this. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So um, there, there's this problem or uh, program. It's uh, it's a tax uh, regime in Mexico. They call it, and it's the name is Recico. And the way I understood, I mean, I'm not a tax lawyer or anything like that. I'm just like an, an immigrant, <laughs> and I have my accountant uh, that that you know uh, advises on these kind of uh, topics. But um, what I understood is that basically. Life was a little bit complicated for a lot of people that are sourcing foreign income. And the Mexican government uh, created a program to make it easier for people that are like uh, generating income from abroad that flows into Mexico to have a completely um, transparent tax uh, program. Um, so th there's really not that much you need to know. It's just like the income you generate as a, like, um, um, how uh, you call it in, in English? Uh, it's like a, a business without uh, employees. How would you describe uh, it? Well, like self-employment? Yeah, like so if you're self-employed, yeah. Uh, then you can uh, generate income online. Uh, so money flows into Mexico. And you pay maximum 2.5 or 3% taxes. So yeah, it's extremely low. <laughs> it's extremely low, yeah. And... Um, you, you, you can uh, have your opinions about whether you think a tax is, a, is theft or, you know, if, if, uh, if you get value for your money and, and all those kind of things. But you can just, like, actively look for a location in the world where you think, okay, this is at least any, an increased uh, or uh, an, an optimization in my tax uh, situation. And Mexico offers that uh, with the RECICO program. So... Um, yeah, why wouldn't you uh, move to Mexico? It's basically uh, the, the, the bottom line, because what I said earlier, if your currency devalues uh, or inflates 5% per year, in 14 years, you have your buying power, your, your savings. So, yeah, you can do the calculation with like 40% uh, tax reduction does per year over 14 years. For sure, for sure. Yeah. It's, a, it's a lot of money. I think uh, just to give the, a few more details, Rizico is available to companies too that have foreign income, and it's uh, but you gotta it, there's a max amount like for for individuals, self-employed individuals. I think it's like three point five million pesos, yeah. which comes out to like one hundred eighty thousand U.S. dollars a year, but it's it's a lot of money. Like it's like if you're making one hundred eighty grand, you can live in Mexico, permanent residency. And pay three percent in taxes, and and just have a lower cost of living. Basically, save ninety percent of your income in Bitcoin every month. Like it's it's, it's great, you know. Yeah. So definitely, definitely a good trick. 
I've heard some downsides about it, to be honest, but it's mostly from like Mexican, like very based Mexican perspective. So like they will say like, okay, this is a way for the government to get people to sign up for the tax ID and yeah. then everybody's within the system and then they raise the rates later like kind of in a way to trap you and like, Hey, here's a good deal. Come get your, your, come sign up to the tax registry. Mm -hmm. Then you sign up and then boom, uh, you're, you're kind of, they, they got your information. I wouldn't be too worried, you know, like, uh, but, but it, it, it is like, because like half of the Mexicans don't have tax IDs. They don't, they just yeah. don't pay taxes. So the government's trying to do anything to get anybody to sign up to the tax uh, registry. Yeah, I, I can. It's, it's a good deal, right? Yeah, I, I can. I can understand the, the perspective of these based Mexicans because if I wouldn't have a tax registry in the Netherlands, uh, I would be exactly the same and have exactly the same opinion. Uh, because you know, Mexico is a tax or a cash economy. You can do everything cash. So why would you right. sign up for for taxes? Um, but as I explained, if you consider my situation where I paid seven months in the year in taxes and I can reduce it to basically exactly yeah 3%, uh, it's a huge improvement from a personal situation. And um, then you go a little bit deeper and like, okay, but what if the government raises taxes like, uh, like you, you mentioned? Um, I saw the, the president of El Salvador, uh, he just announced that he's going to eliminate all taxes on software related activities. So that means, as far as I understood, yeah, that's crazy. Like the tweet, that every digital entrepreneur can live tax free uh, in El Salvador. So that keeps government in Central America like competing for the digital entrepreneurs, in my perspective. It does. It definitely does. Uh, and Paraguay also offers us for, for a long time good residency, uh, like good taxes and El Salvador is joining Costa Rica also has a pretty good program. Yeah. Uh, Panama, Mexico now. So, and, and actually I think there's like three other countries, four other countries that you don't have to pay foreign tax on like tax on foreign income, because this is all about foreign income on, on the El Salvador's case about like digital internet software income, but in Mexico's case it's about foreign income. So it's, foreign companies, not national companies. Yeah. Uh, but in most expats, they're not getting paid by Mexican companies. So, so why not just take advantage of this? Yeah, I see that it's an opportunity for the Mexican government to get additional income uh, and not per se to trap people in their tax uh, regime. But I mean, I can totally understand the point of view uh, from the Mexicans that you mentioned earlier that if you are not in the tax regime, you don't want to be in it, right? So. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. It's interesting. Personal situations. Yeah, exactly. It all depends on each one's situation, like you said. Uh, so what about, well, let's maybe recap. I think we've kind of done, you know, the, the whole tour on this topic. Yeah. Uh, maybe recap on, well, just, just another question is like, uh, like you have, you traveled to other places in Mexico or just, uh, around the continent or do you have any plans? of traveling uh, in the near term on anything you want to look at, compare, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, great question. Well, um, we, we traveled a lot before we went to Mexico. Uh, so as I said, we, we went to Asia, we went to all over Europe. Uh, I visited 
countries in Latin America like Colombia, Brazil, uh, like Caribbean islands. And um, I do want to travel, uh, but I feel that I'm living like uh, I'm here now for over a year that I've been on holiday for a year. There's so much to discover, explore in my little region where I live because everything is new. Uh, so everything feels like a holiday. There's there's a new coffee place around the corner that I've never been before, and they have great coffee. Uh, you, you know these little things that you you don't have in your uh, in the place you were born. You do have that here, right? And um, right now we don't have the urge to travel that much. But we were talking about it a few weeks ago, and we said, okay, well, we live now in Mexico, so if we want to go to like El Salvador. Guatemala, uh, like you have uh, Bitcoin Beach, you have uh, Bitcoin Lake in Guatemala. Those things are now really close. Um, so if we want to travel, then these would be the countries that we want to visit. But also, yeah, I mean, Mexico is just as big as the entire Europe. So, yeah, we have so much things to do. Um, and yeah, we, we really like the life we are living now. We just have a family. Uh, we are really enjoying every minute of it. And um, the urge of traveling is really reduced. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You, you know, take your time with that, and whenever you're ready, uh, things are just right next. You know, El Salvador's really close. Uh, yeah. You're always welcome to Querétaro too. We have uh, monthly meetups here about Bitcoin. It's yeah. starting to grow pretty fast. So, yeah, uh, but with time, you know. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Okay, so let's uh, recap. Uh, so maybe if you could just like recap uh, the question, like how do you compare living in Europe versus living in Mexico and in, in beach uh, on the coast of Mexico? If you could recap, just give a recap answer on that. Yeah. Like really, uh, like a summary is that the life that I led, uh, I, I describe it now as the fiat life in the Netherlands. People are stressed. Uh, everything's on time. Um, you, you you're on the couch in the evening. Uh, you know you're not really productive beside your work. Uh, you're not. At least I'm not really. I, I didn't have the feeling that I was like a, a, a value, uh, adding value to society or like a, a, yeah, doing something really interesting. Um, and now my life is. At least I have the feeling that I'm doing that, right? I'm, I'm working on Bitcoin and, uh, I mean, it's not that big, right? I mean, I'm just doing my part. Uh, and I try to add value. We try to create with uh, Find AVA um, the world that we want to see, where people live online or at least, you know, like be able to create value and be productive online. And, yeah, um, the, the life here, uh, I, I think... We are the owners of our time now. Uh, we are not. Uh, we don't have a boss that decides that we have to be in the office between nine and five. Uh, we decide if we want to go have a coffee in the morning and work uh, in the afternoon, or uh, do groceries in the afternoon and have uh, have a have a long session of work in the morning or in the evening. So we we are the boss of our own time. We take responsibility of our actions, uh, and we, we also feel that we are responsible. Where I think that in the Netherlands you would think, ah, oh, I can ask for uh, the government here to do this, or um, 
you know, uh, you, you have like, um, how do you call it? Um, people, people that don't work get money from the government in the Netherlands. Th- those yeah. things that I don't think they really exist on a large scale in Mexico. So you need to be able to provide for yourself. And that, that is a much more fulfilling life um, than we had in, in the Netherlands. A much freer mm. life. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. I think it's it's really about uh, being in, in Europe or in Canada, like a, a piece in the whole system, you know, like a screw in the in the whole machine. Yeah. And yeah, you can rely on the machine because, but like you're, you're really not doing, being very productive. It's not fulfilling. You're not free. And here it's like, okay, maybe you're part of a, the machine's not that big and not that powerful, but yeah. at least you're, you're independent and you're, you're free on your own. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to, to my friends, I'm making like the 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 uh, analogy. Uh, I'm, I'm I'd rather be the lion uh, in Africa outside than the lion in the zoo in the Netherlands. Exactly. That's that's very well said. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Uh, well, maybe before we we end, uh, is there anything about the like just maybe just on the Bitcoin topic? Uh, that has uh, that excites you lately that you've seen any development or technology or market adoption or company whatever you want to share about like bitcoin stuff that that you want to shout out or just you like um yeah what i want to um, there's not that much that really excites me um i mean bitcoin excites me in general and uh, what i think is great is that People that are in Bitcoin are really open to, to work together, uh, to help each other, to, to contribute to each other's projects. Um, where, you know, in, in the field world, everybody's like, nah, this is my business, you're a competitor, and uh, this is my money. And Bitcoiners are like, okay, let's, let's get on the mission. Uh, we have one mission, we're going to get Bitcoin uh, to as many uh, productive people as possible. I'm not there to to have like the hyper Bitcoinization uh, perspective that everybody needs to use Bitcoin. I would like to see like like the remnants have Bitcoin and like the people that work for it, that put in the work, and that really deserve to to get the benefits out of it. That they help each other and build the world that we want to see, so that my daughter in like 20 years can live a live in a world that I envision right now. Um, everybody that's working in Bitcoin is in that respect for me, or I respect that really a lot uh, because everybody's putting in a lot of work for for a vision. Uh, I, I sometimes call it that we like are planting trees or seeds for trees that we will never sit in shades, but we do really believe in that future, and that deserves all of our energy, every single little bit of it. I I really agree. I really like the way you you phrase that. Uh, I. I put a marker so that I can like separate that clip and share it. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, thank you, Aaron, for, for this. Uh, where can people follow you? Where can people, uh, on which website? What's the website of Bitcoin Partners or any other? Just anything you want to shout out where people can reach out to you or follow you? Yeah. So if, if people want to follow me, they can follow me on Twitter right now. Um, my Twitter handle is Aaron with double R, R. Uh, my website for Bitcoin Partner is uh, bitcoin-partner.nl. The website for Find a VA is findafva.nl. 
pa.today. And um, I think I'm going to have to uh, find some time to get a Nostra account. And uh, I think the the NPOP would be a little bit too long to share on the, yeah, <laughs> the podcast, sure. but I'm going to be there as well soon. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Aaron. This was a really good talk. Uh, yeah. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me. And uh, yeah, uh, let's keep in touch. And if you're ever in Querétaro, you're always welcome to, to my house to, to the meetup. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Same for you here in, uh, in my side of the, of the country. Perfect. All right. Thank you. Thank you, everyone.